0: Hey, everybody. Just wanted to let you know that there's a little bit of an echo in this one. I tried to edit it where I could, but I I did as well as I could. So please bear with it and enjoy the rest of the episode. A life of violence can push you to the edge, twist and break you under the strain of its weight. In some places, this can be balanced by connections. That isn't this story. This story is solo. This week on the podcast, join me, Zach Walsh, in welcoming back James Kerr of Radio James Games to talk about the upcoming crowdfunder for his next game, Soul Martial Blues. In this game, you take on the role of an isolated fighter in a world with low stakes, but incredibly high emotions. How you fight your battles may be decided right here on Scheduled for Launch. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I'm really excited to be welcoming back a guest who I had on, who I have a very fun story about getting their game, and I haven't had the chance to tell them about it yet. James, thank you so much for coming back onto the podcast this week.
1: Hello, thank you. It's so good to be here. I'm James Kerr from Radio James Games.
0: Creator of the excellent Fight to Survive role-playing martial arts meets heart, which I think I sent you the photo. I know I posted about it on Twitter. When your game was delivered to me, it was missed at my place. So I had to go and pick it up from a peer later drop off. Right.
1: Oh, I understand the woes of having to pick things up after they should have been delivered. (laughs) Well, it wasn't
0: even that it was just I was at work and there was nobody there. And so I went to the pier later place and it was dark, but it was a like a self-pickup. So no problem, that's fine. I get out of my car, close the door, walk up, punch it in, get it. I'm excited. I open it up and it's starting to get like a little rainy and wet. And I go to open the door and I've locked my keys in the car. And I was like, oh no, I just opened the book. And I gotta protect it. So I'm like huddled over it. And it really starts to come down. I was like, I, I can't let this get ruined. So I climbed under my car <laughs> as I called CAA to come and unlock my door for me. And the guy found me under the car, huddled over the book, waiting for my car to get unlocked. And I was under there for like 40 minutes.
1: God, <laughs> I think you uh, probably put as much pain into this book as I did at that point.
0: It was, it was a sight, a sight I'm, sure. I'm
1: sure. So the book... I, okay, now that this is the most important part of the story, but the book was okay in the end?
0: Oh, book's totally fine, yeah. It's a little... beat Because I look through it fairly frequently because I love the aesthetic of it, and it's just something I really want to play more of. But we're not here to talk about Fight to Survive role-playing martial arts meets art. We're going to be talking about a new solo game that's a little bit adjacent to that, After you introduce yourself, though, I just realized that I've brought it up. We talked a little bit about Radio James Games. Can you tell everybody about who you are and what you're doing in this space?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I'm I'm James Kerr. I'm the publisher for Radio James Games. I have been working in the tabletop role-playing game industry for about seven-ish years now. Fight to Survive Role Playing Martial Arts Meets Heart was the first title under Radio James Games, which is only two years old. But it's my it was my eighth tabletop role playing game book because uh, I did a lot of free- freelancing, mostly for Pendlehaven Press, it's out of Montreal. Uh, and this new book coming up, Solo Martial Blues, will be the ninth book in the run. So I, I'm uh, I'm called Radio James Games because I'm. Spent a long time working in radio, and uh, you wouldn't know it from my lousy not-microphone <laughs> tonight, but but I did spend a long time working in radio, and I've uh, also spent a long time working in magazines, and so I'm leveraging both of those into the games that I create today.
0: I think that really shows, too, in Fight to Survive. It's like a genre piece. It's so good, and like that's like one of the best ways I can use to describe it, because it is so drenched in the setting and the build-up. And from what I've seen of Solo Martial Blues, we're going to be getting more of that. Before we really hop into Solo Martial Blues, though, can you tell us how the launch and reception to Fight to Survive was?
1: Oh, well, I mean, listen, you're being very kind. Fight to Survive is a weirdo game, right? And it was a game like without any kind of compromise because if I wanted it to be more mass appealing that i wouldn't have made it like diceless and multi-generational and uh i I mean it's i don't want to say as weird as it could possibly be because the choices that i made were the choices that were specific to try and bring out the kind of genre conventions and play experience that i was chasing and so in a very uncompromised way it leaned into that and i'm incredibly grateful that the game is something of a I don't know if I can say that it's something of a cult game, but it's the kind of game that like either people just don't get. They're like, I don't, I don't know what I'm looking at. This is this is weird. Or it's a game that I found that very few people like. This this kind of sliver of people are like, oh my god, I get it. I can't believe that this exists. And uh, y- you know, you it, they really, really, really are all over it. Like they they just. They grok it, and I I live for those moments because, <laughs> because I'm like oh oh good I'm not I'm not alone because I made this game because it was what I wanted to exist um, and yeah. it, so uh, it is a if I wanted it to be more marketable it would have had dice it would have had fireballs it would have been more Street Fighter 2-y, but instead it was uh, you know I love Street Fighter but still. Um, instead it was gritty and kind of mundane and sad and, and, and hard times ish and, uh, down to earth. And I feel like, um, what I'm chasing in game design largely is, uh, a feeling of stakes, right? People talk a lot about verisimilitude, but I think it goes beyond that. You want to feel when you're playing, like the choices you make matter. You want to feel Mm -hmm. like this space that you've imagined, even though it's fictional, the things that are going on matter. And I was trying to chase that feeling of kind of self-imposed importance that uh, can happen within a shared social narrative space under the kind of structures of a fighting genre. Like, Um, And so I'm glad people have people have responded to it. Well, it's a silver seller on drive RPG. It's also available on uh, Indie Press Revolution, and it's available through the Canadian uh, marketplace, online marketplace composed dream games. Uh, So and it's being carried by the indie game developer network. So they tour the United States taking it out at conventions uh, and then composed stream games tours, Canada, taking that, it out to conventions there. And they sometimes tour uh, Europe and um, other places. And then through IPR, it gets distributed to retailers across the world. So I get emails from people in places like France and Spain and mm-hmm. Greece and Australia uh, saying that they're yeah. playing the game, which is, which is amazing. It's just great. So it's, uh, the print run is <laughs> the first print run is done uh it, it's just a case of of if we um if i chose to pump in another print run but it's available in the meantime as a print on demand product through drive Through rpg uh mm-hmm. and and then the distributors still have copies and so it's a good time to like come up with another another product in the line i have lots of games that i want to do and they're not all in this world but like yeah. But I was like, let's let's keep going. So I did some I published some combat cards, which are just a fun little product to like help people track their moves, and then turned around to do this solo game because people kept asking me, like the number one question I got throughout the entire production of Fight to Survive was, Is there gonna be a solo game? Like is there gonna be a solo variation? Are there gonna be solo rules? So, soul so soul, soul, so, so, soul. And <laughs> no, it was it was constant. And I was like naively i was like yeah sure no problem yeah that is a stretch goal whatever um without recognizing that it was actually going to be really difficult to transfer those game mechanics into into solo game mechanics because i can say this to you because you understand the rules a lot of care was put into the fight to survive rules to make sure that you needed each other as pcs because the first question in that kind of genre is, like, why isn't this a one-player game? Like, you could just be a one-person. Like, a lot of the movies that it emulates, um, like Bloodsport is a good example, are kind of, like, our our protagonist narratives. Like, there's a there's a central person facilitating. So why do you need each other? And I think it's a big trap trap I don't know it's a big problem maybe a minor problem in a lot of role playing games that you don't actually need each other you don't really need to be there you're you're each playing your own little one player games why is this party of com- incredibly different creatures adventuring together at all right is the question and i thought that would be a big question in fight to survive so i tried to integrate what you're doing together as as in martial comrades into the structure of the system Trying to remove that to make a solo game proved very difficult. So instead of being a 50-page supplement that I promised the backers, I just made a new book. It's It was 124 pages. It's absolutely self-sufficient and complete. But it got me thinking, like, hey, more people than this are going to probably want to play this game. So yeah can i expand it Cause so when i was doing the kickstarter one i only did three years of adventures i planned for 10 years and uh i i wrote most of those years and i thought well i'll just throw it up on on a, a crowdfunding endeavor and see if people want it you know and so uh, if it's if it's going to have some juice. So it's coming to CrowdFunder as a platform, CrowdFunder is the platform as part of the Tabletop Nonstop on February 1st and it's running through the month of February through Fantastic February uh and ending on March 1st.
0: I'm really excited about Solo Martial Blues. Fight to Survive. You do mention there or did mention there that it really was about it's a sad game about a lot of people who have a lot of we're gonna just say issues because that that's the neatest little word to tie it up together. Uh working together to kind of either make it out or not. And solo Marshall Blues is kind of taking the uh the companionship and dropping it all on one character, which is a a shockingly different take on the game
1: well i'm trying to take all that companionship and instead put it into a sense of isolation and loneliness and really like drive that home which is something that is prevalent as a theme in a lot of the inspiration that the game draws from like a lot of lonely narratives Uh, and i think there's a (laughs) place for that um and so i wanted to really take advantage of that i had to um When I was doing Fight to Survive, I had a very light touch on the kind of lore of the world. I wanted to like tuck it in in little corners and places to inspire people because I didn't want it to get in the way of play. I didn't want the NPCs to trump the PCs. I wanted the player characters to feel like it was their world and that they could get to live in it because so much of the action that happens depends on the comforts you pick. So, but I had to make the hard choice going into solo martial blues. I'm like, okay, I'm actually going to have to develop this world a little bit more but i I mean i had all those answers because i had to go through it for fight to survive it's just a case of like all right i'm gonna have to come down hard on like these are the comforts this is what you have and then it's what people choose to develop and what they choose to grow that it's going to change things mechanically it works within the structure but it it definitely took a lot of thought i don't know how up you are on other solo uh role-playing games, but I didn't personally, I didn't really want a story prompt for this Yeah, because I, those games are very successful, like Iron Sword and Thousand-Year-Old Vampire are both very good games. Um, yeah, But for myself, I thought if we want to restrict this to be within the scope of certain feelings and a certain genre and certain emotional resonance, it needs to be a little bit stricter than that. So it, it ends up being somewhere between a kind of choose your own adventure and a kind of story prompt, because each of the little segments should be propelling you into action that happens within you, the reader. So there's a kind of dialogue that gets built up between the reader and the uh, the structure of the book itself. So that only part of what's happening is happening on the page. If that makes sense. Um, It's still up to your kind of investment to, to carry those notions forward. So for instance, and again, I'm abusing the fact that, you know, the, the base game, when you use a comfort in solo martial blues to reduce a hardship, you're asked to reflect on the time that you spend with that comfort. And that doesn't have to be you writing out a short story about a milkshake that you had at a diner. It's just (laughs) like, it's kind of nebulous notion of, of reflection. And then that, mechanic feeds back into the into the game itself so that i think it ends up being a really rich and very unique experience selfishly mm-hmm. i enjoy it because i actually get to play the game uh, whereas I, don't, I don't get to, to play a uh, fight to survive other people get to play a fight to survive but uh but i get to play the, the solo game and then uh, i get i get a lot out of that
0: uh yeah So for listeners who haven't listened to the fight to survive interview, there are a handful of things, but the nitty gritty of it is that you are living in a very violent life and it's more or less your role-playing and experience what a life of violence does to your character, things like comforts and stuff like that. They're kind of your ties to your less violent part of your life. And that's, where I think solo martial blues happens and really dives deep into that because you've got these comforts that tie you to your life outside of violence, but then you're still this independent isolated person. And I, I don't want to say that the game's like super over the top and always harmful to the character. I love these games, but I also love how sometimes you might just be fighting ninjas because that's what eighties and (laughs) those style of movies did for no reason.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I could talk at length about this. I think it's very interesting how the seventies and the eighties and into the nineties in a but restricted to that. Kind of created this hyper reality that never really existed that is a gestalt between different mediums of fiction um like what on earth is final fight the video game right like what what is that yeah, kind exactly. of like <laughs> w- what does that even mean like how how is that a reality um so between like video games and movies uh, and and other like adventure books, like the Reno Williams books, you, um, Mm -hmm. kind of achieve a a weird, didn't quite, didn't ever exist really, uh, hyper reality of violence and action, um, that is specific to the 20th century. It's really fun to Mm -hmm. go play there because it's, it's a place of fancy and bizarre behavior you know like five elemental ninjas jumping out of the ground but it's also (laughs) a place it's also a place with a lot of deep emotion feeling and heart uh that is much maligned in terms of critical analysis but i think there's a lot i think there's also a lot there there's a lot to yeah there's a lot to discuss so what kind of games can we make in that in that very closed garden and fight to survive is one of them
0: I think one of the things that you've done with this game, too, is in Fight to Survive, you have the adventures lasting roughly once every 10 years. It's one really big, violent thing, and that was a huge focus on the generational part. But this is year by year, so it's a lot more squished down time frame wise for the player character. What was the big shift for that?
1: Well, people have different ways of uh, of running the game, and I wanted to in running fight to survive. Like, I'll I'll swap back to solo martial blues, but some people like to run it where oh, there's an adventure here, and then we're we're off for three years, and then we do an adventure here, and then oh, we're off for one year, and then we do an adventure. Oh, and then nothing happens for ten years. And some people want to really kind of randomize that scope and treat it very broadly. Uh, And other people are just like, nope. Buckle in, we're doing every single year. It's just some years, not much might happen. And that's up to you. Like, if you yeah. don't get into a fight, you don't get into a fight this year. Nothing happened. And I've definitely run years, and this sounds like sacrilege for a martial arts game, but I've definitely run whole in-game years where no fights happened. They they managed to be mm. circumvented, in part yeah. because yeah. they're so friggin' dangerous at times. Um, like, depending on the circumstance, it could be really... It requires how do I put this? One of the best bits of feedback I got in playtesting with fight to survive was I can't believe that the decisions you make require actual bravery. You need to feel brave to to do this brave thing. Like I don't want to run into the gunfire. (laughs) No, it's a bad idea. Yeah. So some people can, uh, people have different scales of trying to approach it. I wanted to do that intentionally, depending on the, playgroup right because already mm-hmm. weirdo indie games have such narrow focuses so doing solo martial blues it grew out of an idea i had of doing um of breaking the whole thing down into decades because when i did fight to survive i made up a list of npcs and did kind of five canon playgroup characters one for each decade like one group for each decade so it's 50 characters and when I had to restrict myself to uh, a kind of narrow focus for this, because I knew I wasn't going to get through, I was only going to get through so many years. I was like, okay, well, the fifties, because I was thinking of River City Ransom. And yeah, I was thinking yeah. of The Outsiders. And I was thinking of, um, you know, a lot of like fun, like f- like flat top hair, you know, pompadours and yeah. greasers and leather jackets. And like, that's, that's a fun period that's also kind of a kind of a hyper reality that didn't exist too right um Mm -hmm. which is which is very similar in many ways to the way things were spun and reinterpreted in the 80s and 90s so given that i i wanted it to be about somebody's journey through the years and i wanted i knew that certain things had to happen in certain years given the history of the city so i was kind of trapped in those so it Mm -hmm. just became a uh, it became a, a kind of, I don't know, can I say a slog? I mean that in a good way. It's <laughs> this feeling of like, Oh, a hundred percent. Kind of, kind of, kind of the glory that you can punch out of drudgery, having to, to, to yeah, go to yeah. work and, and to uh, fight your way up and how confusing that can be. And there's a, gr- I don't want to spoil the, I don't know if you've gone through the, the one that was released to the Kickstarter backers, but I'm pretty proud of there's one year where you just run into a burning building and, every single floor, you have to make the choice. Are you going to go up or are you going to leave? And if you, if you leave, you know that the person you're trying to rescue is, is gone, but you, you have to stop and reflect every single time as a player. Like, am I going to survive this? Am I going to burn up in this building? Cause you know, it's getting worse. Every time you go up, it gets worse. And it's a good example because a person can't actually survive running through four floors of a building. <laughs> like they would drop, not like and that, smoke, no. like, <laughs> like, like, like that is not that is not reasonable. That is not within the realm of reality. But I really like um, Steven Spielberg once said that his most successful ratio is ninety percent real, ten percent fantasy, and I think that's a really attractive ratio. So that running up the burning building allows me to dip a little bit into kind of a fantastic aspect and something that's otherwise very well grounded, but it makes you as a reader and as a player reflect on, Oh, do I really want to do this? This game, it's giving me an out. Do I, do I want to keep going? I don't know. It's so stressful. And I had people like when I was circulating the playtest documents for it, um, emailing me and be like, this game is traumatizing. I can't do this. I can't walk up one more step. Like I'm I'm, I'm out. Uh, Which to me is great feedback. (laughs) That's what I want to hear. I want to hear that I'm, that you're, you're, I want to challenge the medium of what can be accomplished with tabletop role-playing games as a whole. But like, I think that solo games specifically have a lot of untapped space for how are you playing and interacting with and engaging with the person who's playing and that what is their Mm -hmm. relationship to the text and what can you provoke out of them? Because I don't want people just reading a novel. I don't want to write a novel. I can write a novel. That's fine. But like, I I didn't write a novel for you to read. That's boring. I mean, even if it's exciting, you know, in terms of trying to make it into a tabletop role playing game, that's not it. So it's got to be somewhere in between a novel and choosing your adventure and a story prompt and, and just, but everything has to go back to you, the reader, how are you connecting with this material? And that's, that's the point that it really works. That's the point of interest. Yeah, You're letting me go on mad tangents here. And I, no, <laughs> I it's okay. It, the
0: but. The burning building was one that I wanted to talk about because i remember reading that for the first time and being like oh this is stressful like i've always played my tabletop role playing games characters a little bit more fast and loose because if they die i get to make another character and that's great most of the times there's a couple games that i don't love creating character for but fight to survive has a really fun way of building up characters and from what i've seen so far solo martial blues more or less more of the same it's great a little bit more fleshed out by the sound of it but that's the plan at least but i remember doing that bit and just kind of like being like oh i don't know if my character would they would want to but i don't know if they would because it gets bad like and you know you're like something that you've done really great is the stakes are so high and like death is an easy stake to deal with. But when you're like, yeah, your character whose thing is that they're a fighter and like, that's what they do. And you're like, this is going to be inhibited for at least a very long time. It's so good.
1: Yeah. I, I knew that I had something with the book when I was playing myself and I was not having a good time with it uh, in terms of success. I kept losing the fights yeah. and um, I kept ha- taking on hardship. And then the one character, Judy Herrera, the fighting school girl takes me to a local diner and sits me down and says, listen, I don't think you're taking your martial arts seriously. You need to shape up. And yeah. that tipped my hardship off the scale. Like that made my character quit the game. And all I could think of was like, you know what, Judy, screw you. I am out of here. This is too much for me. I am not going to take this anymore. I'm leaving. And, it, and it was like, I was both like really offended <laughs> that she do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like also really like felt got kind of ripped off in a way that, that that's how it yeah, would end. Yeah. But also like that's that makes sense it makes sense it connects it connects with the material yeah um so i was like okay i've 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 got to be able to release this to more than just the kickstarter backers i think some i think i think this is a unique experience that other people can get into if if they can get over um the kind of mechanics because it's a departure right it's it's a departure from people's expectations of how they play a tabletop role-playing game and i run yeah i run fight and survive a lot at cons and people always get it by the time they leave but Mm -hmm. it's sometimes a a big jump they're like oh okay so what dice do we use and i'm like well you don't use dice and they're like "Uh oh and so it's (laughs) sometimes it takes people a bit to get into um how the game thinks because it thinks very differently
0: yeah while we're on it because i think it's important how do people approach challenges like fights for instance because for i get it i love this game i've played it quite a few times at this point but for the average listener who's like if you don't have any dice how do you lose how do you lose a fight that you're technically in control of
1: how how does that work So for solo martial blues, it's a little bit streamlined, but it's the same structure, which is you have five moves, grapple, punch, kick, block, and footwork. You choose Mm -hmm. three of them for a round in the fight. And they could be three of the same or three of all the same. You could be like footwork, footwork, footwork. Sure. You choose three of them, and then you match them against your opponent's moves. And there's a relationship that the moves have that they trump each other, or that you have to check on a chart to see them and in solo martial blues there's a little code written in for your opponent on their line and you look up in the back of the book and see that code means they punch or that code means they footwork away uh and then that tells you what your moves do now originally i thought i have to share this uh, originally the structure of how you look up the moves, I was going to relate it to page number. And then on the footer of the page beside the page number, have the little symbol of the move. So Mm. like, you know, turn to page 64 and then you go to 64 and there's a little kick in the corner. But it was explained to me that that is incredibly as cool as that would be for print. That is incredibly unfriendly for digital play.
0: (laughs) No, that's yeah, yeah. That's a lot of jumping around.
1: But I thought it would be neat. People going like, "Oh, da da da, da. Oh, it's a punch!" But I, I, so it became a chart. It became a chart in the end, uh, which is fine. So you're like D seven is a block, and then away you go. Uh, so your fights god you train your character and you try to get better at things but you can still lose a fight at any point you can lose a fight you're never going to become so safe and secure that uh you never have to worry about and i, I like i like encouraging that kind of like fear of missing yeah. out paranoia that you're like oh, oh i gotta make my kick better oh, i know it only goes up to 12 but what what if somebody's past 12 <laughs> um because that's That's nice and engrossing. You get into the the mentality of the character because the game is about hard choices. It's always about hard choices. You're picking one thing. Mm -hmm. means you're not picking a bunch of other things. uh, And you kind of hope that that doesn't come back to bite you.
0: (laughs) Really, that's like the thing about this game, though. Like, if you are, if you're playing and just like things don't go your way, your character can be irreverently just messed up. They're just like beaten down and broken, and you're just like, I don't know, man. We went for pancakes yesterday. You were happy. Look at you now.
1: Well, violence, violence can happen quickly. I don't know. I've, I've had a, I've had a very, I've been very lucky with players, especially my ongoing mm-hmm. players. The longest session of fight to survive, the longest series of games, of fight to survive that I ran took us from like 1920 until 1955 I think we oh, did wow. it yeah. over a long period and it was probably 8 months of of regular playing and i was had some really great players uh and they really at one point one of the characters just got into too many fights they just were too eager they were too gung ho and you know if they want to be good you know the opportunity's there but they got into so many fights and they're like I had all of these third check boxes just hanging around and injuries. And we're like, I I can't do anything. My arm is messed up. Like if I, if I get into, if I get into another fight, like it's going to be it. And, and really discovered the joys of mentorship of taking on another character and training them and having them be a student and then pass that baton. And they'd never Mm -hmm. done anything like that in the game before. There are other games that do that. I totally stole the idea from, from other games like uh King Arthur Pendragon but it was their first time doing something like that and it was a it was a good moment it was a good moment of realization that they could pass a baton and have a martial lineage
0: i think the lineage is one of the things that made the well fight for fight to survive so just like successful in in your brain like you always think about like i don't know what would happen if rocky's son picked up or Creed, I guess that's that's what would happen. It would be Creed happens, but in Solo Martial Blues, the focus is the isolation. So I I like the idea of being able to twist that, of just like you had this in the in the multiplayer version, now you're on your own.
1: Yeah, there's no succession in Solo Martial Blues. It is solo. You are on your own. It is up to you. If you fail, then the uh, all hope is lost. This time, you fight alone.
0: I think it's in the crowdfunder page that the setting at a glance, it's, it's a focus on heartbreak and like low stakes, but like high emotions, high tension with your character.
1: Yeah. I've um, been able to coin a few cute phrases over the years about things like this. Uh, Like I think one of my favorites was in a video. uh, The mechanics are diceless, but the, emotions are priceless (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've heard that one (laughs) But, but yeah no the the game is the game is low stakes um how do i put this it's low stakes because stakes matter and i am i'm not gonna say i don't enjoy all of the crazy obnoxious marvel movies and stuff but they do have a problem with raising the stakes and raising the stakes and raising the stakes to the point where you're like oh yeah Another alien invasion, another another sky beam, another world destroying whatever. Like you don't even yeah, care yeah. what it is at a certain point, and that's why I didn't take Flight to Survive into the realm of fireballs and and super moves. Particularly, is because I wanted to drag the whole thing down into um, into a place where ordinary stakes matter and and continue to matter because they're important to your life and you can relate to them a lot more easily i think than Skybeams. um not yeah, that i don't yeah. love superhero content but it, i just i feel like that is kind of covered in media and uh, what we needed was something that was a little bit farther down to earth so it's not just about being grubby and terrible and wallowing in mud like that's not the idea the idea is just no. having things close at hand in your home and your life that are going to matter to you in this, the structure of this narrative. And so solo martial blues is about trying to make a grocery store work that you ended up inheriting. <laughs> and it's about yeah. uh, playing a card games with your friends and feeling kind of self-destructive and being tempted to gamble away the amulet that your father gave you. Cause you don't know what it means and you haven't been able to get any answers. You know, it's about um, the fact that people change and grow and I don't know if you have any experience in martial arts, but sometimes people oh, go yeah, through. Oh, okay, there you we go. <laughs> well, pe- people go through different teachers in their life in the real world, right? But in all the martial arts games, you know, you have a surrogate father figure who's your only teacher that is, is there forever. But in fact, people change, people grow apart, people come together, people move on. And I, I really wanted to try and tackle that in solo martial blues, where rather than. In an earlier version of the game, I had it so that you could have five different teachers right off the hop. But the feedback that I got was, I feel like everybody who played it felt like they were leaving substantial chunks of the text behind. Yeah. And so instead I peppered them through the narrative. So you kind of have to move from teacher to teacher. You're still given choices, but you have to move from teacher to like from choices of teachers to choices of teachers. And you go on a martial journey as an individual through mm-hmm. these different, uh, disciplines and because your teachers are people, right? Like they, they have their own yeah. motivations. They have their own, um, uh, things going on and it's some of the best stuff in that book. As far as I'm concerned is how your relationship can deepen or, or separate based on the comforts that you choose to, uh, pursue so, if you really want to know more about your teacher you at the end of the year, you can go into their comfort and here's here's more about your teacher. If you don't really care about your teacher, yeah, you want to do yeah. more about your your friend Judy, or you want to do more about the grocery store or you want to do more about this or that you you can choose to dive into those parts the The book, given its structure, there's always going to be a bit of repetition when you're repeating the whole thing yeah yeah but i but I don't feel. I always felt when I whenever I was playing it, I would go back to it and be like, okay, let's do this totally different. Like let's have a totally mm-hmm. different character. Let's do this in a completely different way. I am now a huge hulking, raging rustler. Let's let's go. And, and that always provided a very different experience. So I think that it's mm-hmm. uh it's rich, solo martial blues. I think that it feels meaningful. And uh I'm looking forward to Finishing it because I've kind of structured how many years are going to be according to how much fun it funds, right? If yeah. uh, if I get it's only three thousand dollars, it's pretty modest. It's like half of what Fight to Survive was, but um, at three thousand, I think I'm doing up to fifty-five or something, nineteen fifty-five, and then for every like I think it's five hundred dollars thereafter, I'm uh, adding on another yep. year of content. So we'll see how far we can go. But I really want to be able to do 10 years, like a whole decade, tip to tail, mm-hmm. and uh, give people a, a really big, rich experience, just without the book getting too big, right? Because already it's like...
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> already it's... Well, what's what's the demo page? It's like... Uh, it's
1: 126 pages? Is the... Yeah. That one? Yeah.
0: Yep, 126.
1: Now, that's that's the first three years, but it's also all of the rules and the character creation, right? Which took up the first yep. 40 pages. So I'm kind of guessing at about 200.
0: I think that's a totally fair length for a book, especially for something like this. That's actually pretty big. Let's talk about CrowdFunder, though, and what's going on there. So this is happening February 1st, right?
1: February 1st is the launch, Yes.
0: So tell us a little bit about Crowdfunder and why you're using them instead of the other big ones. Because I know that they all have their own problems and benefits.
1: Well, okay. Number one um, is that I'm just fooling around. I just wanted to see if Crowdfunder would work. But also they're Canadian. They're Canadian. Right? I didn't know that. Yeah. So they're based in Vancouver. So they're a very different Canadian than you and I, but they're, they're, they're based well, in yeah, Vancouver. Yeah. And, um, and also, uh, I mean, no discredit to Kickstarter. I've met people at Kickstarter. I've, I've done several Kickstarters now, but uh, Crowdfunder would talk to me and have meetings. <laughs> so it was. That's huge, actually. Yeah, it was nice. And they're trying to do a. They're trying to encourage more tabletop role playing games. So they're having a tabletop nonstop event through the month of February, and someone else I know in the indie game developer network, uh, Jessica Backram, did a game called Oops All the Draculas, and she did that oh, on this one. she did that on Crowdfunder. So I thought, well, I mean, if she can get three thousand dollars on Crowdfunder to do Oops All the Draculas, like maybe we can maybe we can do this. The other advantage to Crowdfunder is the fact that they don't take a cut. Uh, from the total, yes, Um, which I don't necessarily object to, but that is is one of the advantages. Uh, Instead, they have kind of a tip jar, and funders, people who are backing, can choose to contribute to the tip jar if they want to, if they're able to. One of the things I really like, I don't want to get too highfalutin here, but one of the things I really like about crowdfunding and about a print-on-demand structure is that you get to see where your money is going. So you know exactly how much money, you're giving to the publisher exactly how much money is going to printing the book, exactly how much money is going to mailing. Like you're in control of every step of the process. And mm-hmm. I liked the fact that Crowdfunder has a, basically a tip jar because you can, you can choose how your money goes. Cause like I've gone through periods mm-hmm. of extreme poverty where I'm like, oh, I just want the game. Uh, and then I've gone through periods where I had extra money and I was like, Oh, I really want to support this thing. Like just, just give me ways to give you money. (laughs) And I wanted to be able to have a structure that would work for kind of both circumstances. So there's a hardship tier, uh, as well. So for people who just aren't, you know, don't have a lot of money, which I've, I'm very sympathetic towards. In fact, when I put fight to survive up on itch.io, I've made community copies. So the people who just want the game are able to get at the PDF, um, and that's been very popular, which I'm I'm grateful for. Uh, and uh, something similar will happen with solo Marshall Blues. But that being said, please, <laughs> please fund to make it happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's important to meet people where they are financially and and uh, structured accordingly. Because, uh, you know, and the breakdown is pretty detailed in money on the crowdfunder. Like, this is how much it's going to the artist. This is how much it's going to editing. This is how much it's going to the sensitivity yeah, yeah. reader very transparent (laughs) because we're uh, a cottage industry and we're a community, you know, more or less we're a community as, as an industry. So it's, uh, I think it's important to be transparent like that. If you're depending on your community to come out and help to make, to get something done like this.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's one of my favorite things about Crowdfunder. I've only heard positive things about people who've interacted with the the creators and the staff and i've had questions and are trying to get things off the ground so i think that it's definitely one that people who are listening to this and considering starting their own thing should really look into look into them all because well look at really them all because
1: i like i like kickstarter but i think there's a problem with kickstarter being the gorilla in the room and i think that the more backerkit and gamefound and crowdfunder and all the other ones the 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 more they do cool and interesting different things i think the healthier market we're going to have for crowdfunding overall whereas if we just kind of let kickstarter be 90 percent of the market it's 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 maybe not for the best health of the industry i do plan to go back to kickstarter for other projects based on what they are um And based on the size and the scope of what I'm I'm looking to get at, but I thought, oh, this is a neat one to do on Crowdfunder. Let's explore this as a platform.
0: Yeah, well, look at three years ago, like even four, during early COVID, when there was that boom in the the TTRPG space, like you had to go to Kickstarter. That was your only option, really.
1: Well, so it's changed it's, it's, so much since then, right? Exactly, Already, it's changed. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows where we're going to be? who knows where we're going to be in a while we're still in the golden age of crowdfunding i don't know how long we're going to be able to call it that but like there's remarkably few projects fail right it is certainly in in tabletop role-playing games um the vast majority people know what they're doing they know what they're delivering um and i think expectations have changed quite a bit like some positively some not so positively like some people feel that kickstarter should just be a pre-order model uh and while i i kind of sympathize with that in that like i'm paranoid as a publisher i want to make sure the book is done before i even come to crowdfunding like like there better be very few details left to iron out (laughs) because Mm -hmm. i don't want to be funded and then have to freak out about getting something done i want like I have to change brains to marketing brain. As soon as the crowdfunding happens, I I don't want to, I don't want to do editing brain or, or designing brain anymore. That's too late. It's too late for that brain. Um,
0: or there's a paper shortage of all
1: (laughs) (laughs) or there's a paper shortage or the boat gets stuck in a canal or whatever. Um, (laughs) but I'm, but I'm sympathetic to people who, who are trying to treat it like it kind of was designed, which is that I have an idea. Will you fund it? Okay. I'll do the idea. Yeah. I don't really want to do that because I I as as a developer I want to make sure that it works first. <laughs> I want to make sure that it does everything I wanted to do and then ask people for money. Um but but the model accommodates still accommodates all kinds which is great.
0: Yeah, we really haven't had a mighty number no. 9 situation with TTRPGs yet.
1: I mean there's so, been there's been a few there's been a few uh I don't know, we don't debacles, have to talk about this too much. But... There's been a few debacles. Like I my personal favorite is the Mountain Witch. Um and if you haven't looked into it, it's it's a really fun, interesting game that came out of the forge. So a whole lot of kind of theory naval gazing, and I say that with love. But it's it's a game about samurai going up a hill to fight a mountain witch. But you probably won't make it up that hill uh the central mechanic is based on trust and betrayal and you have a different score and trust you place in the other pcs and it's very it, it doesn't have to be but it often ends up being very pvp like last man standing kind of ah, okay. structure um but it's a game of trust and betrayal so the the author kick-started a new edition of it and then uh no one heard from him again
0: <laughs> so I just bounced okay the,
1: okay the irony the irony of funding a game based on trust and betrayal uh and then i think it's been That's kind
0: of hilarious i <laughs> yes. don't know i didn't about this <laughs>
1: So it's uh, it's a fun it's a fun story, especially there are seedy details about it that I can't probably wouldn't feel comfortable uh, broadcasting over a podcast. No, that's no, totally right. fine. But yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's I'll, there's all like kinds of
0: juicy, look <laughs> juicy rumors
1: about where the money might have gone and and what might have happened to it that are are very colorful. Um, so there there have been crowdfunding failures in TTRPGs, but the fact remains: if you want to work in this space, you can't fail a crowdfunder. You have to fulfill. Because people remember, like they have a literal history that they can look up of yeah. you, like without much effort. So if you still want to be a designer, you've you've gotta um fulfill your promises. You know, and and it's not hard. Like you just do what you were, you're were planning on doing and you keep communicating with people and uh I don't know, people are pretty forgiving. Uh and you can afford to be pretty casual in this industry and be like, hey guys, didn't expect paper to go crazy. Uh, we're gonna hold on for a couple months? Like what's going what do you think? <laughs> like you yeah. can you can do things like that um, in a way that maybe in a larger industry you wouldn't be able to, and and thank goodness, because I mean I I don't want to be really shallow here, but I make role-playing games because I like connecting with people. I like the social aspect of being around the table and having a fun experience with other people that um, doesn't depend on me coming up with interesting things to say. And, (laughs) and, and I like the fact that as a publisher, people can come back to me and be like, oh my God, I had the coolest experience happen with one of your games and, and, and be really excited. And like me, like the praise does everything to me. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm glad, I'm glad I gave you that cool experience. I'm, I'm, I mean, or contributed, contributed to that cool experience. It feels like a real blessing. And that makes me want to, makes me want to do this. It makes me want to to drive forward.
0: I sincerely hope that Solo Martial Blues gets as much love as Fight to Survive did, and hopefully more even, because I think that solo TTRPGs are such a great A-hopping on point, but are so good for people like myself, who are the forever GM, who doesn't get a chance to play a lot, and also, I want to write more and read, and just those kinds of things are so good when you're looking at solo games
1: i mean there's a really special kind of private experience that you have interacting with a game when it's done well, and yeah it it fills a very different kind of space in in your i don't know in your in your sense of experiences and yeah. I think it's a it's a it's a different experience than being around the table with folks, um, which is an experience I also like. But uh, but I'm I'm excited about what this can do. You know, I haven't talked about this yet either, but I'm also really excited that Stephen Wu agreed to do more art. For yes, this.
0: yes. Oh, I so good. I love that splash art.
1: Yeah. And he he did some great stuff for Fight to Survive, and he's come back to do some great stuff for this book and how much he's going to get to do is depend going to depend largely on funding right like it, the more the more years we're going to get the more opportunity he's going to get um i included a lot of lovely old photographs in the um the the test document that i would love to yank <laughs> i love them they look good they look good <laughs> but like any opportunity to replace them with original art is um is is fantastic and i want to do that he came up with a st- stunning cover um just in the last week and updated everything with the cover because uh, i did have the old the like kickstarter backer um solar version cover up before but now it's yeah now it's got this great intimidating figure and there's fire it's and so like <laughs> <good>. it's so <laughs> it's, cool <laughs> and it inspired me to make a uh, a different um a logo for it too that was going to work with it better so it's i i just want more of that like i just want him to do all kinds of crazy interesting stuff uh for for the interior we were banding around another a third cover we were trying for was i i really wanted to do something with um like from a first person perspective with your hands out in front of you and going yeah. down an alleyway and i ended up turning it into a um into just a full page black and white piece. But uh, instead, because we just couldn't, we couldn't find a way to make it worth a cover. But uh, but like, there's just too many ideas and S- Steven is stupid talented and he's outrageously fast and he's uh, a really cool guy to have on this. And also I have my editor and mentor returning from uh, Fight to Survive who will iron out a lot of my awkward sentences. And uh, we're lucky to have a sensitivity reader in Gemma Grover who um, can help me iron out some of my, <laughs> some of my social hiccups. Uh, um, and uh, cause you know, sensitive content and uh, you don't want to, it's emotional. You, yeah. You don't want to not do things that feel important. Right. But if you're going to do them, you, you need somebody else to look at them to make sure you're not um, shooting your mouth off. And uh Yeah. Uh, because I want everybody to have a positive experience, and um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I've got a great team, and uh, and it's it's super super ready to go. So let's do this! Yeah, yeah. Really. <laughs> I think the best
0: piece of compliment that I can give to the current solo marshall blues cover is it straight up looks like a mock-up of 80s like martial arts film covers like the um the two guy the two people getting ready to fight right on the front there just like i i think it's called best of the best
1: i mean there's a few that are okay i'm like admittedly and i'll wear this on my sleeve i am a huge sucker for like late 80s early 90s movie posters for martial arts you know like best of the best was a good one it's a good example best of the best two also but uh the ninja series you know enter the ninja ninja the revenge ninja three the domination are are some fantastic covers american ninja uh where he's has a sword in front of an american flag just so much fun yeah. they're so colorful like what what do they even represent like they don't they don't they don't represent the people they represent a kind of attitude they're trying to demonstrate And there was a particular time in cinema when that was the prevailing wisdom for posters. We've since shifted to show as many actors' faces as possible in a collage, which makes every movie poster look the same. Uh, There are exceptions, obviously, but um, but I just I really loved. Do you know one of my favorites? Absolutely, is the early poster for Chuck Norris's The Octagon, which was just a face of. who was the guy uh Richard Norton just a face of Richard Norton in his like masked getup staring and it, i think it was even black and white and it looked all torn and it was lovely so Oh,
0: i hadn't seen this yeah Huh. that's like a yeah that's a poster it doesn't need
1: to be <laughs> there's there's some great ones and one of my favorites also is uh, a a not particularly good chuck norris movie called a force of one Because on the poster, he's in, he's in like a Lotus position and there's like a laser triangle around him. (laughs) I love it.
0: I, yeah, my, um, movie teacher in high school brought up this picture and she was like, or this poster was like, this isn't a good movie poster, but it made people watch the film. So I guess it is.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's not like, it's a movie that would exist very, very well in. Uh, fight to survive right like he's he's yeah, like he, he has a karate sense. dojo the karate dojo is under threat like he goes out and deals with it like it's exactly fitting that but the, the movie itself is not great but it's fine. in terms it's of, of it's so. it's fine <laughs> but like in terms of an image of an image it captured that's great so yeah i mean i i couldn't help but try and steer the solo martial blues poster uh pretty close to a um a movie poster of a certain era. Yeah. To the point where I had to actually just blatantly say this is a tabletop role playing game across the top. <laughs> just just so that everything's clear.
0: Yeah, one player martial arts TTRPG. It's right there.
1: <laughs> I don't I don't want people being confused. Like is this some kind of weird VHS book? <laughs> like yeah. Uh, yeah, it, could, it looks like it could be.
0: James, what keeps you creating this space?
1: Well, okay, there's a few things. One I already touched on, which is the vanity of people saying, I liked your game. But the the, the other one is the fact that there is, uh, I, I believe, a bonkers amount of space, of design space left to do. I made Fight to Survive because there was nothing like it. And there's an awful lot of other games that there's nothing like and that don't... Yeah, yeah quite satisfy the itch of whatever it's trying to do. Like, just off the top of my head, and I'm just spitballing, and this has nothing to do with projects that I've got going on, because I've got like 10 other projects going on. I've got six books planned for 2024. But did you ever play Chrono Trigger? Yes, I did. There is no role-playing game like Chrono Trigger, right? It's Which is so weird, because it's, it's a, a Super Nintendo game that's based on a lot of those tropes but there is no tabletop game that plays like it, right?
0: Yeah, not quite. There's a couple of things that take elements of it, but nothing runs really quite similar to it. And I feel like and, that and, would as well.
1: And I'm not taking that as like a golden example. I'm just taking that as a no. one of a million example, right? There's a lot of territory left to explore with tabletop role-playing games. And that's what keeps me coming back is I want to do cool stuff and I want to play cool stuff. Like I'm in a weekly game and I've got another two Uh, two games that happen monthly, um, if they happen, right? So I'm playing a lot. I'm running a lot. Running, Really, I'm running a lot. And (laughs) there's so much to do. There's so many cool experiences to have. Um, Let's keep having cool experiences. So that's what keeps me going, is is an intense dissatisfaction with how much I've been able to do. um, And that there's a lot more to do. And and the praise, obviously the praise. That's that's the. Uh, yeah. Oh
0: yeah, oh, that's the yeah. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: <laughs> or the vitriol. the vit- vitriol also. Uh, uh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but the vitriol also counts when somebody's like, "Your game is so weird, and I can't stand it," and it's. <laughs> that
0: has its own. You also, I also like, feel there are days that. where you're like that's you're what like... I want to feel. I I feel emotions to that. <laughs> James, where can people find out more about you and Solo Marshall Blues?
1: Well there I do have a website radiojamesgames.com radiojamesgames.com uh that has not a ton of information on it but probably enough information on it and also links to the various sites around the place um where things are like drive through rpg indie Press Revolution, composed dream games itch.io uh and if you want to know about the, and that's probably a good place to go to if you want to go to the crowdfunder for Solo Martial Blues. Uh, otherwise, you can just go to the crowdfunder and you can type in Solo Martial Blues and it will come up as well. It's it's one of the advantages to crowdfunder, and it's a blessing and a curse, is that you see the entire campaign. You don't see like uh, just a picture and it gives you a sign up. You've got the whole darn thing before you. Uh, Before it even launches, which is great for the people who can, who were confused about Kickstarter being like, I can't actually see what this is, but not great for the people who are conditioned by Kickstarter not to see what it is. (laughs) So I've had a lot of people be like, how come I can't buy your thing yet? And I'm like, it, it hasn't started yet. yet." (laughs) So I had to put in these great, big, huge, like follow me before launch buttons at the top and the bottom uh just to try and call out nine ways from Sunday the fact that like it isn't launched but it's going to launch on the 1st and uh and then it's going to go the month and we're going to have a great old time with it.
0: I'm sure it's going to be great and it's it's something I'm really excited about. Folks, you can also find the link for that in the top of the description down below. I just pointed that's the first time I've done that. I've been doing this for 3 years and I just pointed downwards. And the only person who was able to see it was James. (laughs) Um, You can go look at the description for that. James, thank you so much for joining this week to talk about solo Marshall blues and to catch up on how you've been.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me
0: and audience. Thank you so much for listening. James and solo Marshall blues are crowdfunding very, very soon. So get ready to go check them out. Check that top link. And yeah, they're scheduled to launch February 1st, correct? Yep, February 1st. I believe that's in two days from when you're hearing this. Until then, though, take care of yourselves, and I'll talk to y'all real soon. Bye. Thank you so much to James for joining me on the show this week. Solo Marshall Blues will be going live on Crowdfunder February 1st, 2024, and promises both action and heartache in its wake. You can support James and the rest of the team by clicking on the top link in the description below or going to the second link to learn more about the game on Radio James Games' website. Go give it a look over there and immerse yourself in this amazing game. It's role-playing meets tart, so come on, you know you're going to love it. And thank you, audience, for joining me on the show this week. A little update on me. I've been super sick for over three weeks now, and this is one of the first days I've actually felt well enough to do much of anything, so... Thank you for your patience with me. Thank you for waiting for more episodes. I know it's been a little bit. If you're one of those people who I reached to in late December, early January about getting on the show, and I haven't gotten back to you yet, I'm so sorry. And we'll be reaching out to you in the next few days as I get myself back on schedule and hopefully get rid of the rest of this cold or flu or whatever it has been. Many crowdfunding sites are going to be launching on their february ttrpg stuff soon so there's a huge possibility that some of you listening may be doing that please reach out as soon as possible if you want to try and come on this show so we can work something out and maybe get you on if you want to catch more of me though you can follow me on threads under schedule for launch or come chat with me on twitch where i go under the name Astroceratops, where I've been streaming a variety of games and may hopefully venture out into more TTRPG stuff in the near future. Thanks for joining me though, and I hope to see you somewhere out there. Bye.